This is the podcast by The Straits Times. With the coronavirus pandemic still ongoing, can the Tokyo Olympics still proceed as planned from July 23rd? What will the world gain or lose with the cancellation? In the English Premier League, Manchester United drop points while Manchester City win yet again. Is their title dream over and is it City's title to lose? And closer to home, the AFC Champions League and AFC Cup draw are out. What are the prospects for the three Singapore representative clubs? Hello and welcome to another episode of Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. I'm The Straits Times sports correspondent David Lee and I'm your host for this week's episode. I'm joined in the studio by two of my colleagues, assistant sports editor Rohit Bridgenath and sports reporter Deepan Raj Ganesan. Hi guys. Hey, good to be here. Yep, nice to be here. So guys, what does the Olympics mean to you as a sports fan? Deepan, let's start with you. Yeah, I think for me as a sports fan, uh, one of the underappreciated benefits of the Olympics is in a year like this as well, uh, it, gr- it brings us good news. Uh, I think um, in, in the year that that was 2020, so much of bad news. I, I, I'm always all for uh, a Michael Phelps or Usain Bolt uh, record-breaking event or you know all these achievements that they have had. Mm. Um, gives us so much to cheer for and um, you know, just the whole happiness that comes from Olympics is something that I look forward to, you know, when the, the event happens. Right. And Rohit, how many Olympics have you covered? What were your favourite moments? Hey, I've been really lucky. Uh, I've been to five Olympics, actually. Um, nice. Atlanta, Sydney, Beijing, London, Rio. And I think for me, the Olympics was very important because um, I found out about the, about the Olympics through Tarzan. And that was because I used to go see Tarzan movies when I was a kid. Okay. And my father told me, who loved the Olympics and Tarzan, that actually one of the Tarzans, Johnny Weissmuller, was a great Olympic swimmer who won five gold medals. So that's where it began. And growing up in India, of course, because in India won, uh, you know, eight gold medals in hockey. So it was a big deal for us. And I sort of, I've always loved the romance of sport and the underdog part of sport. And I think you get a lot of that in the Olympics because a lot of the athletes that you see right, are people you don't usually see on a week-to-week basis. So right. you'll see weightlifters and you'll see wrestlers and divers and kayakers and all these people who are never going to make money. Even if they win a gold medal, they don't make money, mm. right? And they're mm. not necessarily going to be famous because they could be a five-time kayaking gold medalist walk down the road, you won't recognize mm. him. But that's not the point for them. It's about Trying to find out what you can do is chasing your dream. It's finding the different boundaries of human achievement. And so I, I get a big kick out of watching these people. So when I go to Olympics, I like to go and watch sports. that I, I wouldn't never go to the tennis at the Olympics or to the basketball or to things that, you know, we see week in, week out. I would rather just look at the other sports and see, you know, the fantastic things that people do. Here. Right. I, I think it's... Interesting, you mentioned your first Olympics that you covered was Atlanta 96. That was the first Olympics I watched too. And and like you, I, it introduced me to, to a world of different countries, you know, countries I never knew existed. Like you mentioned, sports that people don't, uh, you know, normally watch. You know, I as a kid, I was fascinated by, by names like, you know, Trinidad and Tobago, for, for example. You know, they had Eto Bolden in the in the 100-meter finals, Frankie Fredericks from Namibia as well. You know, the, and I was introduced to this amazing American sprinter who could sprint with such long nails. I'm sure you remember Gail, Gail Devers, Devers, right? Yeah. yeah right. So, so you know, all these unique personalities and, and unique sports, uh, they, they, were, they, they stood out to me, you know, in, in my Olympic memory. 
So back back to you, Rohit. What is at stake with the decision to host the Olympics or not this year? Well, obviously, and I'm sure you'll talk about it. There are, you know, obviously business mm. aspects of it. I would rather, I, I, I mean, you deal with that. I look at the other side. That I see there's a huge ecosystem of athletes and coaches and biomechanists and trainers and dietitians. So the Olympics not just about athletes trying to, you know do their work or do their best. It's about everybody trying to make them better. A lot of people involved. And I think that, as I said, you know, it's every four years, which is very different from a tennis player or a golfer or something like that, right? And you take this away, you are actually robbing uh, a sort of generation of their chance. Mm. And one of the things I want to say is that even I sometimes keep saying four years, but actually it's not four years because if an athlete is... 25 years old and going to his first Olympics. He's actually been training for about 12, 13 years mm-hmm. or maybe more, you know, since the time he was 10 years old to get to the Olympics. So it's 15 years coming to nothing because by the time the next Olympics comes around, he might be too old or he needs to get a job. He has to sort of provide for his family or, you know, there's so many things that, and so it's something that it's lost in a way. I mean, you're just not getting that chance to perform in front of the world and show your best and it has nothing to do necessarily with winning a medal. I think 75% of Olympians only ever make it to the Olympics just once. Right. There was this Australian judoka who spent most of his life trying to get to the Olympics and uh, he did finally work, used to work in a bar at night, he used to train in the day and then he got to London and then we were just talking and, and, and I asked him, are you a person who likes to keep his medals and whatnot on the wall? And he said, no. He said, but the only thing I have on my wall at home in Australia is my certificate of participation at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. That was the most, and he, I think, lost in, he trained for 10, 11 years and lost in 30, 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. So, even though it was heartbreaking for him, he was still proud that he managed to get there. Right. And right. I appreciated that. Right. Rohit, do you think the Olympics could and would happen this year? And if yes, what are the options we are looking at? So I think it's looking tough because I think, you know, there are new strains of this virus all the time and, you know, there are sudden flare-ups in countries. Mm. You think that you've, you're, you know, in control of it and then, you know, it starts off again. So I, I, I wonder, they must be making fantastic plans because, you know, they're very organized. Uh, the Olympics have to be. So how, what are you going to do? Are you going to quarantine everybody like the Australian Open did, uh, mm. especially to people who were on planes that had a case? Are you... Are you going to let in some athletes at a time? No, you know, you can't have everybody there at so the stagger. same time. So stagger that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've been noticing a lot, I saw this during the cricket India versus Australia. I saw that at the badminton yesterday. Uh, that w- the medals, the, the guy who won, the, uh, the the Danish player, I think, who won. Antonsen, yeah. yeah uh, he, he put the medal on himself yeah. and picked up the trophy himself. So what are you going to do at the Olympics, yeah. you know? And so there are lots of little things that yeah. have to be done and put in place. And But in a way, I look at this as an Olympian struggle, isn't it? I mean, there is no guarantee of victory. It's just a lot of hard work and you don't know what's going to happen at the end of it. Yeah, so wh- one other option... Uh, they, they might be considering is a closed-door games. How do you think that will affect the Olympics as we know it? Yeah, I mean, I think athletes around the world just getting used to the idea of playing without crowds. And I mean, there's something horrible to playing without crowds because each the crowd feeds off the fans, the fans, I mean, crowd feeds off the players, the players feed off the crowd. And it lifts you. And then there's home advantage. There are so many things that come with a crowd. But I think at least if you ask them, they say, 
the first thing we want to do is just play is just mm-hmm. compete so if it is in front of a few fans or empty stadiums we'll take it just for a chance to be able to compete so it i think definitely you're not going to have uh, i mean full stands that's out of the question are you going to have some fans we'll have to see are they going to allow traveling fans i really doubt it mm. so probably going to be mainly homegrown fans if you like the straight times game of two halves podcast you can subscribe to hashtag #game of two halves on apple podcast google podcast or spotify and like us and give us a rating on to the second half of the show and let's look at the english premier league i'm joking as a manchester united fan when i say the league should have stopped a couple of weeks ago while the red devils were still on top But since leapfrogging champions Liverpool, United have dropped seven points in four games. Deepen, as a United fan as well, what is wrong with the team? I, I think at the moment there's a lack of self-belief uh, amongst the United players. Um, you know, you can clearly see that they don't quite believe the position that they were in. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you look at the games against Sheffield United and Arsenal. Uh, there seems to be a, a case of you know. Like a game plan amongst United uh, against Sheffield United, you saw that they didn't have a plan to break down Sheffield United, and against Arsenal, you saw that they didn't know what to do when they got to uh, the final third of the pitch. So I think all in all, I can summarize by saying you know lack of self belief is a very very important factor right now with United. Uh, it's a case of you know them reaching the summit and getting dizzy all of a sudden uh, because they're not quite playing the same level of football they were playing uh, when they got to the top. Meanwhile, noisy neighbours Manchester City have capitalised by winning eight league games on the trot, conceding just once in the process to move three points clear of United at the top with a game in hand, and they are continuing to win without their injured talisman Kevin De Bruyne. I know there's still a lot of football to be played, but surely if they beat Liverpool this weekend, it is City's title to lose. You think? Definitely, I think you look at any team that's won championships. Um, Defence is. Usually the strongest point, mm. and this City team. I mean, a couple of months back, if you told me that you know they would have the best defensive record in the league, yeah. I, I would have thought you were joking because mm. I think uh, earlier in the season that freak five-two defeat to Leicester, Leicester City, yeah. and, and then you thought that wow, this City team would have spent so much in defense and and look so lackluster. But right now, I think they have by far the best defensive unit in the league, and it's not just uh, individual players. I think even as a team, they defend really well. Uh, they defend in really good numbers when they lose the ball. So I think, like you say, you know, it's City's title to lose. I think at this point of time, even though we are so early in the season. Right. Moving on closer to home, the AFC Champions League and the AFC Cup draws were conducted last week, and Tampines Rovers have it all to do in their Champions League group stage debut after they were drawn into Group H alongside South Korean champions Jombok, Japanese runners-up Gamba Osaka, and Australian champion Sydney FC. Surely it is. A, it must be a bridge too far for the Stags to progress from this group. Is it going to be a damage-limiting exercise? Wow, you know when the when the group was drawn, you know, I I personally feel it's the worst possible draw they could have gotten yeah. because the teams that you just mentioned, I think they are really some of the superb teams in Asia. Uh, but to answer your question, you know, I spoke to Tampines coach Gavin Lee, you know, after the draw, and he was telling me, you know what, uh, this is the biggest platform you could get in Asian mm. football. Right. He says that they have nothing to lose, and that's rightly so. I think when you have nothing to lose, I think you can really go out there and play to your freedom. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a damage limiting exercise because I think Gavin Lee, uh, in terms of the philosophy that he has, he's never one to you know sit back and you know let the other team play. I think they they will still go for you as much as they can. Uh, I think it's the best position to be in for them. I think just go out there, you know, get some games in, they get experience in. They have a fairly young squad. I think a lot of the players will learn from the experience. Uh, I think it will make them a much better team and much better players. 
right? I was talking to Tampines Chairman Desmond Ong as well, and you know, there were four Thai teams uh, which they could have been picked alongside, and they faded all of them. I I asked if he was disappointed, and you know, it, it was a refreshing answer. You know, he, he said he, the team is there to play against the best. So and they have played Thai teams in preseason friendlies, and you know, in in um. The, the qualifying stages, the playoffs of the Champions League in previous seasons. So they are really looking forward to, to play the, the best in the continent. So I think that's a refreshing take um, by, by the club. In the AFC Cup, Lion City Sailors are drawn into Group H with Vietnam's Saigon and Malaysia's Kedah as Aidil Sharin reunites with the team he led to the ASEAN Zone final win in 2018. Geelang International are in Group I with Philippines' Kaya Ilo Ilo, Malaysia's Terengganu and Myanmar's Shan United. Deepan, what are your thoughts on the Singaporean team's chances of making it to the ASEAN Zone semi-finals? Uh, let's start off with Geelang. I think uh, the last appearance in the AFC Cup was, I believe, 2010, mm. uh, and they finished third in the group that year. Uh, I think this time around, I think we are looking at them missing out on qualification again. In my personal opinion, because uh, the teams that have been drawn with are actually quite good teams. Um, it remains to be seen, you know, who makes up Geelang's squad. I think right now. Uh, we don't quite know, you know, who really makes up the score in terms of the foreigners, uh, and you know, in regional competitions, you're as good as your foreigners. So it remains to be seen in that regard. But you know, I'm really excited to see uh, how Lion City Sailors do uh, because this is actually a tough group. I think I think that's something that we've got to talk about. Uh, but with the quality that they have, the signings that they've made, uh, they've got to be favourites to qualify from their group, despite the fact that you know Kedah is uh, good, good as well, uh, Saigon a uh, good team as well. So it's going to be fantastic matchups, I would say. And there goes the final whistle. Thanks, Rohit and Deepan, for joining us on this week's episode. Don't forget, you can catch ST's Game of Two Halves podcast on demand on the audio apps Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.